Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Well, welcome, everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at The Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, I have Ridge Leadership and Ministry Director, Julie Weeman. Julie, welcome back to the studio. Good morning, Will. Good to be here with you. Yes, always good. I think, Julie, our problem always is with these podcasts is keeping it to 20 minutes, because generally our meetings tend to... We're both external processors, so they're longer. They're longer. <laughs> Twenty minutes is not very long for you and I to have a conversation. Yes, yeah, so let, let's let's hope we could do it. We can always add it, I guess. We can. But we can. Um, Julie, you continued our exploration of the Gospel of Luke by highlighting a passage in Luke ten, and here Jesus sends out seventy-two of his followers uh, to heal the sick. Uh, that they encounter, but also to communicate the message that the kingdom of God uh, was near. And uh, this is an amazing passage in many ways of Jesus really equipping people to really Mm -hmm. step out. But the first thing I want to just start with is a quote from your message that really struck me. You said this, we are in a new era where culture is becoming increasingly hostile toward faith and belief in God. Truth, sin, and the afterlife are disappearing in more and more people. And it seems our U.S. culture is producing people uh, for whom Christianity is not only offensive, but incomprehensible. So, with that in mind, how do we go about reaching a culture like that with the gospel? Um, do you think that the methods have changed as the culture has shifted? Uh, yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so, first I wanted to say this. I think that that we need to remember that the world, the world, as we know it, has always rejected genuine mm. Christian faith, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we read about here. Yes. You know, and yes. we know if you stu- study ancient history, we know that that um, that Christianity, <laughs> Jesus wasn't the popular thing. Yes, yeah. Right? It certainly wasn't. And even the, the disciples, you know, they wrote about, and Jesus said to them, the world doesn't know you because they don't know me. They mm. rejected they rejected me. So they're gonna reject you. So mm-hmm. anyway, I think also as I said that, and I, I even went back as I was preparing for this and looked at the word hostile. Mm. And you know, I think when we think of hostile, we maybe think of hostage, we think of something really, really bad, bad, bad. Mm. Um, but if I looked up actually some definitions of the word hostile and it can mean opposed to or resistant or verse to. So um, I think, I don't know if Mike shared this article with you, but a few months ago he shared an article um, called The Rise of the Nuns. I don't mm-hmm, know if you read mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, so this made me think of that, that right. in this culture, what's changing is there's more and more of a, um, I guess it's the, the rise of the nuns, basically the religiously, the religious unaffiliated at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be when somebody would ask about your beliefs, they might say that I'm a Christian or I'm Baptist or I'm mm-hmm. Catholic or I'm an atheist. And now it's the nuns. I'm none. Yeah, yeah. None of those. And and I think what I've also read is that in America, America is one of the few countries where Christianity is not growing. And in the other countries, even like countries like China, some of the third world world countries, mm. it is growing. So I just kind of want to, I, I was thinking about that, that first. So in that, 
what needs to change. Something mm-hmm. does need to change. And how we reach people in this culture does have to change. And I think, and you can tell me what you think, but I think it's relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in the, you know, Billy Graham era and watching the big, the big, huge, you the know, revivals. Yeah, the revivals, yeah, yeah. the big arena events where somebody mm-hmm. would give their life to Jesus and then, you know, you get a track and you're done. Mm-hmm. But in this culture, I think it's harder for people to do relationship. Mm. Because we're so isolated. And, and I think the story that's fascinating, what's fascinating in this story for me is the lingering longer. Like Jesus said, you go to this home and then, you know, pay attention. Are they Mm going to invite you in or are they not? And so for us, we're such an instant gratification society. We're also a society that is becoming more and more isolated and we have our devices and Mm. that's how we connect. But we don't linger longer with relationship. And so... I think that that's that's what we have to do, that even when we planted the bridge, it was all about bring people to church, invite people to church, invite people to church. But now we have to go to them. Mm-hmm. We have to be available to our neighbors or the people that we work with or, you know, the, the people we work out with in the mm-hmm. gym. We've got to develop relationships with people and sit with them. And not think that the, the coming to church, bringing them here, is the doorway, or the front door. Because it's not anymore. Yes, it's you, not. Would you, would you agree with yes, that? Yes. I mean, I, I think laying out those the facts that, you know, there's always been opposition over the course of history. But we do have unique a unique time in the States where it feels like it really has shifted in a particular way of Christianity not being in a very favorable light, the church not being in a very favorable light. Um, people are not terribly excited about coming in under the authority of anything yeah. these days. So uh, authority of the Bible and in question, all of those kind of things. So I think that does make you rethink how you go about the Great Commission. The 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 call doesn't change, but the methods may change. And I agree with you, Julie, that I think relationship is really the platform or the arena in which people can see the power of God in your life. Because mm-hmm. so often as Christians, we think, well, this is just about, you know, doing good things and being like Jesus. No, it's actually about the Spirit of God coming in you as, you know, you're like a temple, essentially, yeah. and bringing change and transformation. And that's what people see when they're in relationship with you. When you have those those bonds with people, whether at work or in the gym or school, whatever it might be, they, they're able to see something you know, in you, they can see you being made more and more into the likeness of Jesus as you continue to walk with Jesus. Yeah. So I think that's that's a really important evangelistic tool right there. I actually just had a really random conversation with my neighbor the other day. And sometimes this can happen where you know, the, somebody can even prompt a conversation. They were the one. They were the ones who brought up Jesus yeah, yeah, yeah. and just mentioned him. And so there was an opportunity for me to start to share about what being in relationship with Jesus means to me. And I wasn't expecting it, really. It just came out of nowhere, really. So I think that's another thing of being mindful and being aware of where there is mm-hmm. opportunities mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit is is starting to maybe move in somebody. So here's yes. a question. So did you feel comfortable in that, in moving the, you know, he had a question, he brought mm. it up. Did you feel comfortable in moving the conversation forward mm. or were you awkward 
You know what I mean? Because because yes. some people would then go, you know, kind of stumble over their mm-hmm. words. And I remember one time when Mike said he loves it when somebody, a Jehovah's Witness, shows up at his door because mm-hmm. he invites them and he wants to have a conversation. And others would go, no, I'm not even showing up at the door. Like, right, right. <laughs> right. right. Were, were you comfortable? Did you? Yeah. Yes. Well, two reasons why. I would say one is the relationship that I have with him and his family. You know, we've lived together beside each other now for three years. And so there was a, there's a relationship there where you're able to have conversation. And I didn't just bring it up just completely out of the blue. I didn't shift gears in the conversation. We were actually talking about people being able to disagree with one another and, and doing that well. Mm -hmm. And so we started to talk about what that looks like that, uh, you know, I don't think the path is really not holding convictions. I think that's important. But Jesus shows us a way where he didn't compromise really on his core convictions, but still loved people. And and so we, I felt comfortable in that, I think, because of the basis of our, of our relationship. relationship. And to be honest, he was probably more receptive because of the relationship. Sure. Now, I have to say, we talked a bit about... Um, uh, Tim Keller, actually, because Tim Keller just passed away, mm-hmm. author and speaker from New York. And so I mentioned about him and a real influence. I'd, I'd seen t- or saw Tim Keller do this really well, where he disagreed with people, but mm-hmm. still held his core convictions. And I, there was a quote that I had in my head and I thought, oh, should I send this to my neighbor? Okay. Like, is that a step yeah. too far? <laughs> you know, remember when we were talking about Jesus and I, you know, but I just decided to do it. I think sometimes we can maybe be overly sensitive. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, oh, I'm afraid of like upsetting or he's going to think I'm trying to sell him something. Yeah. No, I th- I thought the quote was really helpful for what we were talking about. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> so yeah, I which kind of moves us on actually to uh, my next question. You mentioned about some of the intense persecution the Christians experience in certain countries around the world. And you rightly said that for us in the United States, for the most part, it's a persecution of rejection or, or ridicule. So do you have any direction in terms of how we can get past the fear of being rejected or that nervousness in our faith? Yeah. You know, I personally, I really think that it's the Holy Spirit doing work in us to create an exceptional love, a, a genuine love for people. Mm. Because if you're just doing it because this is what the Bible says, this is what we read, and so this is what people need to know, um, then it becomes this like demanding thing, right? But when you have a you have a genuine love for your neighbor, mm. when you have that genuine love for people, um, again, I think we're often here in the suburbs who are really independent and we don't want to pay a cost. Maybe we don't want to do relationship that much um, because it takes time. But I think if when we wake up in the morning and we're in the Word and we're asking God, like this is a regular prayer of mine. Holy Spirit, would you help me to have eyes to see and a heart to reach out and love people around me today? And then it never fails like he gives you opportunities. Mm. So I think that we've got to, to, in order to overcome the fear, we first we have to think outside of ourselves. We have to think of and love people. And then God, that love for people helps us to be more comfortable in the conversation. People say to me, well, Julie, you're just, you're an evangelist. You have gifts of evangelism. You know what? 
it's still not comfortable. Mm. But what I do have, what I feel like I do have is a love for people. I love to encourage and be with people. Here's an example. So I had a lot of people know I have this little side gig of selling makeup. Um, I've done it for many, many years. And and I kind of put it on the back burner for a while. And as I'm preparing to kind of shift down a little bit with, you know, going into that, those latter years of my life, I was like, Lord, what else, what can I do so that I'm still have like people that I'm around regularly? So mm. I started doing it again. And I had a lady, I, my chair becomes this like almost this, um, it's a sacred place because mm. people will come and this lady came and she started weeping mm. and, and we don't have a, a real close relationship. I'd known her for several years. And she said, I said, um, how can I, you know, how can I pray for you? What's going on? She said, she's like in her sixties. I actually was seeing someone and he just broke it off. Mm. And she said, and I know that you're kind of like a religious person, Mm. but this has just really thrown me for a loop. And so we started talking. I just encouraged her next week. We're going to have coffee. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she wants to talk further. She said, you know, I don't know. There's something about you. Like you always seem so peaceful, mm-hmm. even in the midst. Like I remember when your mom died, you still seem peaceful. Mm-hmm. So, and I love her. Yeah. Yeah. So I care for her. And I think if we would just, man, and if we don't feel like that, if we, if kind of there's a hardness in our hearts, I think we need to, and we can ask the Holy Spirit to just soften us, fill us with the fruit of his spirit. Because mm. again, when we love people, first, we got to really love Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when mm-hmm. we really love Jesus, then I think it floats over and um, flows over into loving people. And then it becomes easier to have conversation with people and move it beyond just doing good works for people and, you know, having surface conversations, mm-hmm. but into having deeper conversations of, of faith. Yeah, I love that. I, I was just thinking about some of the things that maybe gets me past that fear. And I think it's a, a real belief in just the wonder and the goodness yeah. Of, of being in relationship with the Lord and how my life would be so different without him. You know, that to the point of he is the linchpin. I mean, he's, he's just the center. And so I, I don't know how I can really talk about anything too meaningful, like in my life, without talking about the thing that infuses the it's whole the thing and undergirds and is the foundation for it. And so I think for me, when I realize that, I'm just thinking, how can I not talk about this because I believe actually it's Jesus way is the best yeah. way. And it d- doesn't mean that you're not going to ever experience rejection. I mean, oh, yeah. you, oh, you yeah. will, that there's going to be people who, uh, and maybe some of our listeners have already experienced that, you know, or family members. Sometimes that can be really difficult, but again, we're, we're called to be in that place of genuine love for people. Mm-hmm. And, and that means in that place as well, which can turn around and be a testimony in, in itself, an evangelistic thing yeah. when we don't turn around and slap the other person's cheek. Well, you know, even when they reject. When you when us. you said that, it reminds me of a situation. My my husband's got a cousin who is is a Christ follower, but he's pretty abrasive. And mm. uh, Chuck shared with me last night that actually this cousin was came to him and said, "You know, I don't know. I'm I'm just so worried about my family. I wrote a letter to my five siblings, told them all they were going to go to hell mm. because none of them were following Jesus." And and Chuck said, "The interesting thing, like this cousin doesn't portray following Jesus. So, 
Right, right. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, yeah. so does that make me fearful of it? No, I just go, okay, that gives me wisdom in knowing how not to approach people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to look for the, you know, just like these disciples, when they went to somebody's door to the city, they looked for the open door. Mm. And when the door is open, then you walk through the open door. Mm-hmm. But when it's closed, man, do you smack him in the face? And yeah. Yes. <laughs> Well, I think there's, there's, you got to think about the reality of the gospel uh, um, working in your life, outworking in your life, and how people are seeing that. It's like James talking about, you know, you can tell me about like faith and, and that, but show me your, your deeds, you yeah. know, show me the fruit of that. So a lot of people aren't going to be receptive to a message if they really don't see any sort yeah. of reality. If right. you're talking about the peace of God and being your strength and, and your rescue and one who can change you and loving your your neighbor, but if they don't see that in your life, I, I don't know why anybody's going to believe that it's valid. Okay, one last question. I just love where you brought your message into land by having us think about where we're placed in our work. And we've talked about this before, kind of using the phrase placed for a purpose. Mm-hmm. But, you know, thinking about where we're placed in our work, school or our local gym, and how God can use us there. So, Julie, can you remind us again of some ways we can integrate our faith into every sphere of our life? Yeah, you know, I think, honestly, I think this is the easy part. Because unless we're somebody who never goes anywhere, you know, we just are at home and we never go anywhere. But most of us write. I mean, mm-hmm. most of us don't. We have a gazillion coffee shops in the city. Yes. And in fact, I love it. There was a few weeks ago, I was at a coffee shop with someone. We were doing Bible study and someone came up to me and said, hey, what do you, what do you study in there? I mm. remember years ago being in a, in a coffee shop with someone doing a Bible study. Someone came up and said, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I noticed, uh, is that a Bible? Mm. And she was new to the area. And then we started a conversation, did invite her to church. She Mm. became a part of the Bible study. Mm. So the coffee shops that you frequent, Jay, Jay, who many of you have listened to some of Jay's um, classes, and Jay talks about being in in a bar, and I think we're in Seattle, Mm -hmm. where he would sit down with men and have conversation. And so that was, he was placed in that city Mm -hmm. for a purpose and brought people to faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, The gym, the gym. The gym is a perfect place. For two years, I was in a, a group, and we, because Angie, who I work with, she and I love the Lord, and so a lot of our conversations centered around Jesus, and then pretty soon, the instructor was picking up on it. We had conversations about the Holy Spirit a couple times. He came came to church before he moved. Mm. Um, so in your gym, for all of you listening who you've got grandkids who are playing sports or your kids are playing sports and at the sports um, fields, mm. the way that uh, the way that we yell or don't yell at the umpires, yes, yeah, um, the yeah. way that we treat the coaches and the kids uh, can lean way to conversation. I know one of our um, – Angie here, she just recently started a new group mm-hmm. with the moms from soccer. Yes, Placed for a purpose. Now they're having Bible study together and it just was on our heart. So, so there are so many opportunities in our workplace. I know people who've done Bible study over lunch hour Mm. and it really is just picking up on the curiosity, the conversations, and then making an invitation to do something somewhere and have conversations um, or Bible studies together. Yes. So we can influence, we've all worked probably with people that you go, oh, 
right? Yeah. And then we've worked with people that you can tell are receptive and open. So yeah. instead of just it, it again, it's walking through the open door. Mm-hmm. I think when you see that the doors open. Yeah, I love uh, that. Well, Julie, thanks for your time. We could probably go for another 20 minutes, but we'll just end it there. Um, yeah, thanks for the time and effort that you put into crafting the message. You know, yeah. it always takes quite a bit and a lot of you sifting. Know. and a lot of sifting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and thank you for listening today. Just before you go, I want to draw your attention to our newest series on the Ridge University podcast. Recently, I had some conversations with Ridge Marketing and Communication Manager Dean Logan around some challenging aspects of faith. We explored questions like, why should I trust the Bible? And why does God allow suffering? And does God really exist? So episode one dropped last week, so be sure to check it out. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at the Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.